Hello, this is Dr. Chetna Kripalu and I am going to uh, do my best talking about um, the topic of love um, and also um, and then the mind-body connection of diseases and trying to see what is the um, role of love in these diseases, which is chronic diseases, could be cancer, heart problems, um, diabetes, you know, some of the chronic problems, which is, you know, diabetes, cholesterol and diseases, autoimmunity and everything. And then some terminal diseases like cancer and everything. So let's look at the mind-body connection first. So what happens um, in the body? So every, we all know some, there is some mind-body connection, but we don't know the extent of it. And we don't know how to look at it so that we actually make these things uh, easier on our lives and learn how to live with them in peace, with joy, and, every, and, and with calmness and things like that. So, so what happens in our lives? So everybody is, comes with certain genetic predispositions. Um, I don't call it, call it genetics because we all have, meaning thousands of genes. And these genes, all of them don't express themselves. Uh, some of them do and some of them don't. And so it doesn't mean that, yes, I have a predisposition more for diabetes if my uh, father or mother had or my grandparents had it. But I could do my best in um, not expressing the gene. So, but, so how does that affect, you know, how how does the mind-body come in this um, picture or in this situation? So every time, it starts from every small thought we've been thinking. And this starts, in fact, even in utero. You know, when your mom uh, is carrying uh, you in the womb and uh, even the environment um, you know, you are exposed to uh, things like you can feel if the mom is stressed and if the mom is really um, going through a lot during her pregnancy, it has an impact on the baby or the fetus. And of course, I'm talking about fetus as a viable, which is a baby. And that baby um, may not have formed ears and everything, but they can sense it uh, energetically and vibrational wise. So it starts from there. So you can imagine how much conditioning one goes through um, through the years, like being born, then the environment at that time, uh, how the child is being raised, how what the child goes through, how the parenting affects the child, how the you know environment where they grow grow up, like rest of the family, extended family culturally uh, how where they are and what they're being told are they given the independence of looking into self or are they always being told what to think and so that that creates certain belief systems in the child when they grow up and that is what um, so that is so many steps in it which affect your body because every time there is a thought the body goes through a series of chemical uh, you know, substances are released uh, and then hormonally and all of these impact the different organ systems, how they function. So if somebody's environment has been stressed and depression and anxiety, then they're going to get depression or be in the dep- depressive mode or anxiety mode as they grow up 
just vibrationally because they're taking on these things without even knowing um, there is something innately, um, I wouldn't say wrong, it, the way they are thinking also. So it's not necessarily even their own thoughts. You are taking on other people's around you too. And a lot of times you don't even know that you're carrying somebody else's burden. This is very, um, this has been shown in a healing modality. It's called recall healing where uh, they go into generations above, even, for example, three generations above, four generations above, where the the grandmother, great-grandmother or father had had some issues which has been carried over lifetimes and in generations. So we won't talk in detail about it. So just give you an idea about how this conditioning happens to us. But the question is, so that is how deep it goes to create a disease in our body, plus the genetic predisposition and then the environment triggers it to express themselves so this is how diseases happen and that's why people don't understand uh, why this is there so now from that from our perspective like from the time at least we've gained consciousness you know like you know we know that we are in control of our emotions or thoughts or aware even of our thoughts uh, this is what we've been talking in angel wing other talks and dialogues is we want to be more aware of where the thoughts are going and that is that way we can have an understanding about our emotions which goes through the thoughts and then have some control over it and to change it and replace things. So when a disease happens to us, how do we look at it? Of course, there is one way of looking at it, meaning that um, physically, how did we come to that stage in the sense like have we been eating right? Have we been eating too much processed foods? Um, are we eating, you know, exposed to how much toxins we are exposed to? Have we been exercising? Um, have we been, um, you know, having some time, downtime for ourselves to relax and rejuvenate? If we're working too hard, um, like a type A personality, go, 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 that kind of stuff. Are you going out for walks in the nature? How much time does one spend? How much time one spends with their children or uh, loved ones? How much interaction they have? We all know that part and how important they are and everything. But we really don't know how to look, look into ourselves, which is so important when um, it uh, when we look at these diseases because we are taught when a disease happens, is that we need to get rid of the disease or cure the disease or treat the disease and get it out of the way. Life doesn't work like that. And I've seen that more and more that when something happens, if we can uh, invite ourselves or give ourselves an invitation to look at how we've led our life and how can we go deeper into ourselves and grow from it or uh, grow in the sense, evolve to see what have we not been looking at or overlooking. For example, if somebody has um, not been forgiven, forgiving for all the misgivings that they've had in the past, and then somebody who's not being tolerant, uh, may, they may have been keeping quiet about things happening around them, but holding a grudge inside and really angry about things, frustration, all these feelings we've been holding on to, we have not been letting go of things. And um, enough that 
you know, that um, we are free. Um, and so these are the things we've created too many da- likes and dislikes. We have too many opinions, uh, very strong opinions. We, certain, certain policies, for example, in the government, which makes us so angry. Um, and then some things people have done in our lives, um, who, who, against whom we are so angry and cannot let go of things. So all these emotions which you are carrying of causes physical issues. And so we cannot get rid of or, or treat it and, you know, cure it. It's not going to happen because even if you do that temporarily, then it's going to come back because your original state of mind or whatever we've stored in the subconscious mind, this is where it gets stored up, all these emotions um, or charge as we call it. It doesn't go away unless you look at it and let go of it and or deal with it. So even things like, for example, tolerance, you know, we don't like what people do, you know, people who are, you know, always abusing verbally or not so good to us. We may keep quiet and we think we are doing them a favor, but is that really tolerance? No, the real tolerance is to understand um, or even um, even try to imagine where they're coming from and forgive them because they're making their choice because of the state of mind they're in and really forgive them and being tolerant by being compassionate towards them, not just, um, you know, being quiet and develop this animosity inside. Because when you do that, it just builds and suppression is like putting like a spring down and then it comes up, bounces back threefold or fourfold. That is not really helpful. So and then because that becomes um physical, you know, in our bodies and creates a disease and sets off these genes and it starts expressing them more. So one needs to look at disease or chronic illness way differently. Once you've, of course, dealt with the normal stuff, like we've talked about that diet and exercise and everything, you know, you could look at all these things. And if you still abuse your body, you're still going to have this disease. So there are several ways of, you know, looking at chronic illness or disease, which helps us really um, address it in a deeper way. So you really see it, you know, kind of dissolving. So let's take, for example, um, cancer. So I have, at least in my research that I've done um, about all the people who have had cancers, except, you know, children who are born into like a life, like six months or a year or two, um, you know, and having cancer. I'm not sure about that. But most of the adults who develop cancer, there is always this mind-body component to it, which is huge. And if we can look at cancer as not like a, obviously it is a death sentence and then instead looking at things like um i know it's a big word but looking at it as grace because ultimately when we are born in this you know in this lifetime as a human being it's a school it's a playground we're learning about ourselves constantly and that is all the journey about so everything which comes in our lives, not just diseases physically, even mentally, you know, people coming into our lives, situations happening, events happening in our lives, all of these. So now, since we're talking about cancer, let's come back to it. So this can be looked at as, you know, all these things. What have I not been looking at? So because unfortunately, as human beings, we, you know, we look at these things about, you know, or go inwards 
only when there's something bad happens in our lives. And that could be a loss of someone. It could be a loss of, you know, closed ones or disease, some kind of a disease. And cancer is really most common. And there are several um, examples of it where people have really gone deeper, dissociated themselves with the personality they've created or the identity of the personality which they have developed and really started new. And they have healed themselves of all these great diseases, not just cancer, some of the known diseases which are rare and they've been told by doctors that they cannot um, heal them. So, you know, whether one heals the disease or not, but let's look at it as really an opportunity of learning about ourselves and, you know, growing from it. Because what happens with that is you get freer and freer. That means you are letting go of things. So your density decreases. So you're living whatever days you're left or whatever weeks and months, years, how much, however we look at it much more peacefully and in love. There is a great example of a lady. Um, her name is Dr. Anita Murjani. She is um, right now giving workshops and everything, but she was introduced by um, the famous um, doc, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who is a PhD doc who used to give a lot of workshops and about um, self-development. You know, and he was a wonderful human and he's not alive anymore. He died of some terminal cancer, actually. But uh, in any case, this lady um, was always throughout her life afraid of getting cancer. And, you know, we've talked about law of attraction. We've talked about law of resonance and all of that. And so she manifested despite all the things, all the, all the measures she took. She ate healthy. She went around the world, all the herbals she could do and uh, everything. And eventually she developed uh, something called lymphoma which is um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That means one and the worst kind is called nodular lymphoma. And that means like you get love, all your lymph nodes are so swollen with cancer throughout the body. And once she got the cancer also, she underwent all kinds of treatment, chemo, um, meaning traditional treatment, um, herbal treatment, Asian treatment. This was, she lived in Hong Kong. She was in her 40s, I think. I may be wrong about her age, so don't quote me on that. But um, in any case, so she was dying. She was uh, young. She didn't have children. Her husband and all her family had uh, bid farewell, you know, when she was in the ICU. And, uh, you know, she was, they, they, were go, they were going to let her go. It almost like hospice here, you know. Um, they were ready and they were le- you know, ready to let her go. Uh, and then she had this near-death experience um, and she describes it in her book. It's called Dying to Be Me. And if anybody wants to read it, you're welcome. It's called Dying to Be Me by Dr. Anita Murjani. So this is what she talks about, is that what she went through in the near-death experience, it's much in detail it's an immense state of unconditional and unending love where she cannot, she could only describe it as being so, love was so encompassing. She's never ever felt like that before. All her fear was gone. All her doubts, all the negativities just disappeared. And so she was given a second chance and she was asked, do you want to go back? into that body now that you've learned what is important to carry on with your life or you want to pass on. She, of course, chose to live because 
what she learned from that experience, that unending love and unconditional love or eternal love is what she was missing this whole of her life. And so this is how she got her message. And now she gives workshops throughout the world. I think she's, I don't know if she's written more books, uh, describing and telling people how to live their lives, not how to live their lives, what, what, what is important, the most important in their lives than how we get stuck in all these negativities and we think that is what and we we fret about little stuff stressing over little things and you know we make life dependent on people dependent on all these things and really are depressed individuals um you know anxious ridden individuals or you know all these kind of stuff which is what causes the disease so how does love play in all of this love in my experience i would say is always there for us. We fall out of love because of our mind and the way the mind starts telling us stories about what is happening and how we have to perceive things. And so the mind is the problem here. So when you, and when the mind takes you over, instead of us using the mind as an instrument where we need to for knowledge, for you, you know, for living in this world, to survive in this world and to, you know, help others and things like that. So we, most of the time we live in our minds. And so the mind becomes the main, main, um, instrument which rules everything. So when we let this do, we lose love. So the, because if you really look at it, it's a paradox. Somebody who you love, let's take a spouse. Um, in the beginning, you were gung ho about it. Everything sounds so wonderful. Then you get married and then you start living with this person. And there are so many things you start finding fault with. And before you know it, there are people who say, oh, I, this is not the same person I fell in love with. And then people separate and divorce. Where did love go? How can you love a person and fall out of love? So it is more your mind telling because then you get caught in personalities. You get caught in the person's actions, you, you know, and things like that which is not love, which is an emotion you developed at a certain time because of their actions, their choices and everything. So if you really look at and if we can even separate ourselves, you know, take a step back and watch your mind, how it behaves constantly, you know, um, with every thought which creates an emotion. And if we can look at it and take control of it for most part and be aware of it, then we can always be in the state of love. Because then what happens is if we give them um, a chance to say that, oh, okay, I'm not in their head. I'm not in their mind, head space, mind space, whatever. So I don't know how, why that person behaved like this. And I would never understand because I would never be in their state of mind. So if they behave like that because of their state of mind, you want to be able to... Um, understand with more compassion and give them more compassion, which gives them a space to actually change themselves or look at themselves in a whole different light. And so that love which you had for that person is always there. It's just a state of vibration. We fall out of it and then fall into it. So if we even, even if we fall out of it, if we recognize that and we go back to it, that would explain how we can stay in the vibration of love longer so for example 
animals. You know, I look at my animals. I have a dog who's sick, you know, and that person, that dog is always in the present moment. And always, I mean, the, the dog is diseased and she can walk. She, she has, her hip doesn't work, but she's not suffering by extrapolating this, you know, situation in the present and making a mountain in her head and how it's going to impact her in the future. No, she's living with it the most beautiful way with full of love. She still wags her tail. She's eating when you bring her treats. She's, you know, so excited to love you, you know, come back uh, and, you know, wag her tail and lick you. And how does that happen? Because you just went with it and realized what is more important in life. Things happen sometimes which you don't, you can't fight and cure it and heal it. But the message is, you know, felt. And sometimes the body could be so broken that it may not be able to heal. But if you even get the message before, you know, a person dies, that's the state of evolution you've grown into. So I think we want to look at life itself in a whole different way. And because that is all there is, it's a journey. And how we know at the end of life, all of us, whatever the age be, if we are, if we can tell ourselves, I have no regrets. I think I've done everything possible in the state and have come to the realization of being in the state of this vibration of love, no matter what my body behaves. So I think this is just amazing how it could be um, looked at. So this is my final comment about you know, the whole um, idea about love and disease in general. Um, so we'll continue maybe some of the time. But um, thank you so much for listening and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.